HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. This is the full, unedited ceremony of the 10th annual Good Food Awards, recorded by Heritage Radio Network at the Herbst Theater in San Francisco, January 17th, 2020. The evening speakers, in order of appearance, are as follows. Opening remarks by Dolores Huerta. Keynote speaker, introduced by Alice Waters, Michael Pollan. Presenters are Greg Johnsman of Geechee Boy Mill, Brianna Warner of Atlantic Sea Farms, Mario Esparza, the PB Love Company, Emily Boynton of Fiddlehead Farms, Lorenza Passetti of Volpi Salami, and the Master of Ceremonies is Sam Moganum of the Byright Family of Businesses, with closing remarks by Sarah Weiner, Executive Director of the Good Food Foundation. I, I was told to wait until the lights uh, came on. I was like, am I going to know? They, they clearly are on me right now, aren't they? Because I can't see a thing. How's everyone doing? Oh, come on. You can do better. How's everyone doing? Yeah! Ten fucking years. It's crazy. I'm, I'm, I am so fired up to be up here with you all. Um, welcome to San Francisco. And for everyone who's traveled, thank you, thank you so much for making the trek. My name is Sam McGannum, and in, in addition to being your MC tonight, I'm the founder of the Byright Family of Businesses right here in San Francisco. Oh my God, so much by right love. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> For over 22 years, since 1998, by right's been dedicated to the same values of good food and creating community that the Good Food Awards celebrates. And that's just only one reason why I'm so excited to be here tonight with all of you to celebrate America's most exceptional makers of tasty, authentic, and responsible food. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to take me a while to get through this if you guys keep doing that. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, recently I reread a quote from E.B. White that I just, you know, I forgot about. And it exemplifies how I've been feeling um, as I've been reflecting on the past decade. And so the quote goes like this. I arise in the morning torn between a desire to save the world and a desire to savor the world. 
Like, think about that for a minute, right? And I've been wondering, how do I choose between the two, right? How do I choose between saving the world or saving the world? And I thought, well, why do I have to choose? And then I finally realized, you know, that we don't. We don't have to choose. Because the more we, sl- the more we slow down and savor, the more we appreciate. And the more likely we are that we're going to fall in love. And when we love something, we do absolutely everything we can in our power to save it. Right? I'd like all of you just to take a moment and to reflect on the past year or the past decade and think about a food that you savored. Where were you? Who were you with? How did it make you feel? Memories are so powerful. They live deep within us ready to be recalled at a moment's notice based on a smell, a feeling, or an experience. Memories define us, and they define our cultures. And when we choose to break bread together, an emotional connection is made. And I really think that that's why we're all here tonight. Yes, tonight's winners and the winners of the past decade represent the tastiest, most authentic, and responsible food crafted in the country. Yet... I strongly feel that what we really are celebrating is the pleasure and the joy that good food gives, gifts us. It's food that we savor. It's food that we love. Shared with people that we trust. We're here to celebrate a community, a movement that has blessed us with a decade of delicious memories, a decade of building lasting relationships, a decade of reshaping our communities, and redefining our culture. Good food has not only touched us as individuals, it has impacted our families, inspired our businesses, and transformed our communities. And the stats are staggering. Over the past decade, over 350 producers in our good food community have made a sourcing switch to a more sustainable ingredient to meet the Good Food Awards standards. Now that's the change that we want to see, right? We've grown from seven to 17 categories, more than doubled. We've had 15,880 product entries from all 50 states. And get this, we've given 1,792 Good Food Awards to 887 unique food and drink crafters from 37 states plus the District of Columbia and Guam, of which and of course, there's always the overachievers because I'm sure there's a lot of type A's in the room. We've got, we've got two companies who have won an award every year since we started, 10 years in a row. Olympia Provisions. Yeah. Based in Portland, Oregon, has won 17 good food awards. And get this. The OP team has not only handcrafted all of that pork they've sold, but that pork is close to 5 million pounds, right, of sustainable pork products. And I calculated it. That's enough salami to go from San Francisco to Portland and back. They've chartered a new Oregon trail. It's like unreal. (laughs) And Patrick Chocolate. Patrick here? Alan? A small Missouri-based business under the ownership and vision of Alan McClure 
I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Eli, but you know, uh, Alan, Alan kind of puts you to shame. They've won 26, 26 Good Food Awards in the past decade. Three hundred and fifty thousand chocolate bars. That's a lot of happy people. And he's done that with a small staff that's never been more than seven people. And to boot, Alan, I mean, I had no idea, dude. You're crazy. He's managed, he's managed to, over the course of the past five years, soon to be completed PhD in food science. Like that's amazing, man. Thank you. I mean, people obviously love good food, and it's that love for good food that's empowered entrepreneurs to realize their dreams. Yet all these dreams and all these awards would not be possible without the leadership and the vision of the team behind the Good Food Foundation. The Good Food Foundation, which started with just a staff of one and four amazing interns, is now a staff of six and has created an, an indispensable platform to celebrate the love, passion, and integrity overflowing in this room. And the good food community extends way beyond the majesty of this beautiful room. The foundation has built a guild with 450 tasty, authentic, and responsible food producers. They've created three untrade shows a year, the Good Food Mercantiles, I'm sure many of you will be there tomorrow, which take place in three different cities annually. They've formed a coalition of the 38 top independently owned retailers in the country, the Good Food Merchants Alliance, which collectively sell close to half a billion dollars of good food each year between them. Now that's impact. You'll get to hear from many of them tonight as they read off the names of the winners. I'm absolutely blown away. I mean, I think about how many lives of our, our good food has touched, how many meaningful jobs have been created, how many farms good food has saved. And think about how many delicious experiences each of us has savored and how much love we've shared. I'm in awe of how impactful this community has become. And I'm so excited about how much more we have to accomplish in the decade to come. There's still so much to do, but I know this group can do it. I love you all. Thank you so much. All right, I'm sure you're ready to dive right in, but before we do, I need to share some of the this Grand Theater safety, um, standard safety announcements. So welcome to the San Francisco War Memorial and Performing Arts Center. Please take a moment to look at the exit nearest you. The exits are clearly marked with green lighted signs. In the unlikely event of an emergency, please proceed to the nearest exit and out of the building. We also thought that you'd like to know that since more, we've more than doubled in size, we've grown from seven to 17 categories, we'll hear from five of the categories that we didn't hear from last year. So to keep things moving along, we'd like to ask you to kindly hold your applause until the end of each category. And of course, there are a few thank yous that I need to make for several people that have made this awesome night possible. And if I left you out, Get over it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and so, 
sorry. You know, no, seriously, you can, you can come beat me up or whatever you want to do. Um, and so the first thank you of the evening begins with all of you. I know many of you have made a huge effort to be here, and I want to really thank you. Um, a very special thanks goes to the San Francisco War Memorial, Airbnb, the Fort Mason Center for Arts and Culture, and City View at the Metreon for being incredible hosts this weekend. To Ali Ball, who's going to handle every single one of the medals tonight. And to the 37 Good Food Awards Committee Chairs who organized the tasting of 1,835 entries, several of whom will be leading the winners onto the stage today. To the amazing Samantha Allen, Catherine Harris, Laura DeLovera, Hilary Matson, and Jessica Ziski, the hardworking team at the Good Food Foundation. Yes. To the 252 judges that fearlessly lent their pallets and to the dozens of volunteers that ensure that the weekend is an unforgettable experience. To my incredible team, Byright Catering, who's out in force right now at Airbnb, working really hard to showcase all the beautiful winning products in a smorgasbord that awaits you after the ceremony. And to Veritable Vegetable, Heritage Foods, BCV Architects, Dominic Phillips Event Marketing, Vertera, Earl's Organic Produce, Rye on the Road, Rustic Bakery. <laughs> I said hold the applause. Now, 11 of the Barrios top pastry chefs and the Good Food Awards Coffee Committee for making the reception possible. To our honorary hosts, Alice Waters. And Dolores Huerta. Whose presence here is going to make this night even more magical. And to Michael Pollan. <laughs> I owe you, man. <laughs> like so many of us. I mean, you know, many of us are here today because of, because of you. And as importantly, to the companies that put their money where their mouth is to build the good food movement. A very special thanks to our presenting sponsor, the Good Food Merchants Collaborative, a group of 19 inspiring, independently owned markets from around the country whose members will be presenting the awards tonight. And to the additional 19 markets in the Good Food Merchants Alliance that helped to support this weekend. To Williams-Sonoma and the Vermont Cheese Council, who have been steadfast and substantial sponsors, without whom we certainly could not have arrived here tonight. Before we hear from our keynote speaker, we're honored to hear from Dolores Suerta, founder and president of the Dolores Suerta Foundation. Dolores Suerta is a civil rights activist and community organizer. She has worked for labor rights and social justice for over 50 years. She doesn't even look 50 years old. It's crazy. You don't. In 1962, she and Cesar Chavez founded the United Farm Workers Union. She served as vice... Yeah. She served as vice president and played a critical role in many of the union's accomplishments for four decades. In 2002, she received the Puffin Nation $100,000, I should say 100 grand prize, for creative citizenship, 
which she used to establish the Dolores Huerta Foundation. The foundation is connecting groundbreaking community-based organizing to state and national movements to register and educate voters. Oh, come on, we need that right now. The foundation advocates for education reform and brings about, brings about infrastructure improvements in low-income communities. They also advocate for greater equality for the LGBT community and create strong leadership development. She has received numerous awards, and among them, the Eleanor Roosevelt Human Rights Award from President Clinton in 1998, And then in 2012, President Obama bestowed Dolores with the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the highest civilian honor in the United States. Please join me in welcoming Dolores Huerta. Uh, thank you very much. I'm very honored to be here with all of you tonight. And I just want to congratulate all of you, especially the winners, uh, for uh, this wonderful uh, honorarium that you're going to get, these uh, wonderful awards that you're going to, uh, to receive. And I also want to thank you for your dedication and all of the effort that you have committed uh, to make sure that we have healthy, nutritious, and tasty food. Okay? So important. Uh, we know that uh, food, like water, is essential to life. But when you think that, that you go beyond that to make sure that it's not only healthy and nutritious, but also uh, very tasteful, and uh, you know, I think that brings additional blessings uh, to what you do. Uh, we know that there's another thing about food. That food, as we heard earlier today, that it unites everybody, it brings us all together. <clears throat> And we know that today in our world, this is what we need more than anything. We've got to come together. And who knows, someday we'll have a huge table of our nation when everybody can sit down and eat together to bring us all, you know, make us all healthy. And so what you are doing is you're bringing additional blessings uh, with, with the way uh, that you, the kind of effort and dedication that you uh, commit to, to, to the production of your food. And then always think, please, of the people that are out there, like the farm workers that are down there at the ground level and are growing so much of the food that we eat today uh, throughout our country. And let's think of something else. Let's hope that someday everybody, everybody will also have access to the wonderful type of food that you are also producing. So we know that food also, as we know, gives us the energy that we need uh, to, continue to, to continue to live, continue to do to work, and do all of the things that we do. So when we think of food as energy, let's think of it another way too. Let's think of food as power. And so I want to ask all of you a question, and I know you know the answer. And I'm going to ask all of you who are so dedicated to answer this question. And the question is, 
I'm going to ask you, who has the power? And I want you to say, we have the power. And when I say, what kind of power? I want you to say, good food power. Can you do that? <laughs> but let's shout it out this so loud so that everybody will understand that this is what we need for everyone. It's not just about food. It's about food as medicine, food as healing, food as justice, food as unity. Can we do that? Okay, so please shout as loud as you possibly can for all of those that might not be on the same page as us. All right? Okay, let's go. Who's got the power? Yeah. What kind of power? Yeah. All right, let's go out there and continue the work that we do. And please, please, don't keep it to yourself. Go out there and organize others to join you. Thank you very much. Si se puede. Good food power. Fuck. <laughs> oh my God. Dolores, thank you for your inspiring words. Um, and now I'm, 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 I've got the privilege of not only introducing one of the leading voices of our time, um, but uh, you could call her a good food power woman. <laughs> Please welcome Alice Waters. I have the great uh, privilege to um, introduce the only person who could follow Dolores. But it's my friend, Michael Pollan, who is, who is a writer who more than anyone else has changed the way we know what good food even is. Almost 20 years ago, I went to a lecture that he gave about grass-fed beef at the University of California. And the next day, we stopped serving beef at Chez Panisse. It took us six months to find grass-fed cattle raised by ranches practicing what we now call regenerative agriculture. Now, Michael's writing has that kind of impact because what he practices is something you could call immersive journalism. He dives deep. To write so persuasively about beef, for example, along with the rest of his research, he had to adopt a calf. To understand his desire for a place of his own, he built a one-room building by himself. And to explore the new science of psychedelics, <laughs> uh -huh. he had guided experiences with LSD and psilocybin. As he points out, what all of his books and articles have in common is that they're all about places where nature and culture intersect. On the farm, in the garden, in the kitchen, in your mind. 
Five of his books have been New York Times bestsellers. Two of them were made into PBS documentaries. And he's a, an endowed professor at both UC Berkeley Graduate School of Journalism and, and Harvard University. For me, Michael belongs to the great tradition that includes writers like Upton Sinclair and Rachel Carson. He's curious, he's thorough, he's scrupulous, he's funny, and he's wise. He is the intellectual backbone of this food movement, and I would be really hard-pressed to name any other living American who has influenced our food culture so profoundly for the better. Please welcome Michael Pollan. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alice. I've never heard anyone pronounce psilocybin so sexily. <laughs> psilocybin. Um, thank you, Good, For Good Food Award winners. Um, and it's an honor to share the stage with Dolores, uh, a hero of the food movement. Um, so to the winners, uh, we're here tonight to celebrate you and your work, but we're also here to celebrate a birthday the 10th anniversary of the Good Food Awards, and a birthday girl, Sarah Wiener. The visionary who has led this venture from the beginning. This is my first time at this event, but I have followed the Good Food Awards from a distance since its second year where, when I had the dubious honor of serving as a judge in the beer category. Now this was an experience that goes under the heading, to paraphrase David Foster Wallace, of a supposedly fun thing I'll never do again. <laughs> Judging such a competition is far more grueling than I could have imagined, and the more so as the number of entries has burgeoned. My hat is off to the people with the stamina and discrimination to drink that much beer before noon without swallowing. At the end of, after 10 years, the Good Food Award has much to be proud of. Sam mentioned some, some of the, that, uh, those accomplishments, but let me just list a couple more. The award has nurtured and helped to grow what has become a critically influential corner of the food marketplace in America, generating more than 50 million in additional sales for both the food crafters and for the sustainable farmers they support. The number of such companies has grown exponentially in the last 10 years, uh, just to judge by the number of entries from 700 to 2,000 this year. Good Food Award winners have seen significant growth, and not only in sales, 10% of the winners report hiring new employees within months after their award. The Good Food Awards are one reason why the community of mission-driven food and beverage companies is growing much faster than the food industry as a whole. And that's why I believe you have an outsized role to play in shaping the future of food in America. 
especially at this point in the history of the food movement, your work has become absolutely critical and central. And that's what I want to talk about this evening. To understand why I think this is the case, let's recall the origins of the Good Food Awards. As Sarah tells the story, the inspiration grew out of Slow Food Nation that was here in San Francisco in 2008. This was the first time that all the various roots, shoots, and branches of the artisanal food community came together in what felt a lot like a, a county fair on a national stage. The sense of community, solidarity, and possibility were thrilling to everyone involved. In retrospect, Slow Food Nation was a high watermark for the food movement. It was a gathering of the tribe that inspired all who took part in it. It was that year, in 2008, that Merriam-Webster declared locavore to be the new word of the year. For the first time, the city of San Francisco opened its arms wide to farmers and food crafters, artists and activists. And some of you will remember how the plaza in front of City Hall was transformed into a beautiful and bustling farm. Food Inc., the documentary, was screened that weekend for the first time. And that fall, a leading presidential candidate heard us and was talking in Iowa just about this time of year about the need to transform American agriculture, to break its addiction to fossil fuel and put it back on a diet of sunlight. It was a heady, heady moment. Since then, <laughs> things have gotten more complicated. Soon after Slow Food Nation and the success of Food Inc., Big Food woke up to the threat to business as usual and began to fight back, spending tens of millions to organize industrial farmers against reform and to shift the narrative in the media. Change, we learn, doesn't come easily and requires much more than telling a compelling story or even electing a sympathetic president. Although electing a sympathetic first lady did do some good. In the eight, <laughs> in the eight years, today is her birthday by the way. In the eight years of a sympathetic democratic administration, the food movement uh, made a lot of friends in Washington Alice got her organic garden in the White House. Michelle pushed through some improvements in the school lunch program. But let's face it, only modest progress was made in changing federal policy. We were outgunned. But the hard work of building a movement went on and goes on, much of it below the radar of the national media. Gardens got planted in schools and communities. Food workers are organizing at every link in the food chain. Parents are pressing to improve school lunch. Farmers organize to uphold organic standards and now raise the bar with regenerative agriculture. Food studies programs proliferate on university campuses as a new generation dedicates itself to the cause. And the climate and the food movement have linked arms for the first time. Farmers and enlightened chefs are collaborating in innovative new ways. And the food movement itself is being democratized, putting social justice at the top of its agenda alongside environmental stewardship and public health. And then there are you, members of the so-called private sector, a rather anemic term that in your hands is becoming something much more interesting. In the same way that the separate roles of consumer and citizen are married, when people make choices based not just on good value, 
but good values, companies too have the potential to confound the usual distinctions between public and private interest. Especially today, at a time when we can expect nothing from the federal government, indeed when the administration is reversing progress on the issues we care about, as it did today, when, on Michelle Obama's birthday, Trump announced he was rolling back her standards for school lunch and welcoming pizza and uh, french fries back to the school lunch tray. <laughs> it falls to companies fired by the kind of values this award embodies for food that is good, clean, and fair to become a key driver of change. That's you. That's your opportunity and your responsibility. So what do I mean by opportunity? Well, the sector you represent may be small in terms of revenues, but it is tremendous in terms of influence. While Big Food's share of the market is shrinking, your share, taken together, is growing, and Big Food knows this. Big Food has completely lost touch with the American consumer, and they know that too. Innovation in this industry no longer consists of dreaming up cool new products, unless you count brand extensions like an inside-out Oreo or a taco made from a Dorito as impressive contributions to our diet and culture. Those both are real. Now instead, the food industry watches little companies like yours catch fire with eaters and then either rip them off or snap them up. That's why big companies like Campbell's and Mars and others have created giant investment funds to find the, the next kind bar or honesty and to find you. Companies like yours are now the leading edge of, food in, of innovation in food. What big food doesn't understand, however, is that your success and the success we honor tonight is about so much more than novelty or even flavor. Rather, it is about the deeper meanings embedded in the words, good food, about the stories your products tell, indeed about the very way you conceive of food, which is not just as some edible material, some thing, but as the visible and tasteable and teachable manifestation of a set of relationships between the maker and the eater, between the eater and the farmer, between the company and the community, and between all of these actors and the soil. To call such a food, to call such a food merely a product is to miss the whole point. In supporting your work with her dollars, the American consumer is acting more like a citizen, casting a vote in support of a slightly different world. What you know and they don't is how to earn that vote. But what happens when Big Food snaps up the values-driven food company? Well, one of two fates awaits. In the first, the product is shorn of the values it embodies, and its story is hollowed out, if not falsified. We can all point to examples of companies to which this has happened. And yet we can also point to counterexamples where the values not only survived, but went on to infect the parent company fundamentally changing its DNA. This is the challenge we face when companies like yours, striving not to do business as usual, but business as social change, 
become part of big food? Will you be content to serve as an ornament, a nice but no longer necessarily true story about sustainability and community and social justice? Or will you become a virus infecting the host with your values? You all do beautiful work and would make a lovely ornament in the portfolio of any food corporation. But we hope for greater things from you. We hope and trust that your commitment to the values of this award, to the full meaning of good food, never wavers, and that if and when you get big yourself or join forces with bigness, you never lose sight of what first inspired you to do this work and that always you remain the virus. So that is what I ask of you. Indeed, implore you, go forth and infect. Thank you very much. Thank you. A little psychedelic could go a long way to helping with that, right? Um, Michael, thank you. Um, now I'm thrilled to introduce Juliana Uruburu. Where are you, Juliana? Oh, there you are. <laughs> old, old dear friend from, of Market Hall Foods in Oakland, California, to announce the very first Good Food Award winners of 2020 from the new grains and legumes category. And the winners are from Arizona for their polenta, cracked oats, and white Sonora wheat berries, Hayden Flour Mills. From California for their identity preserved organic spaghetti pasta, Community Grains. For their organic soft white wheat berries, Pleasant Grove Farms. For their organic strazzopretti and organic rigatoni, Semolina Artisanal Pasta. From Idaho, for their Pardina Brown Lentils, Pedrociano Garbanzo Beans, and Madeline French Green Lentils, Pacific Northwest Farmers Cooperative. From Maine, for their organic corn polenta and organic pearled farro, Maine Grains. From Mississippi, for their long grain brown rice and long grain white rice, Delta Blues Rice. From Vermont, for their organic stone ground corn tortillas, Vermont Tortilla Company. From Washington, for their organic Inca and lentil blend, Bluebird Grain Farms. And finally, to speak on behalf of the grains winners from South Carolina, Greg Johnsman of Geechee Boy Mill and his Jimmy Red Grits and Sea Island Red Peas. Well, y'all, as we say in the South, I am delighted to be here and I am delighted to be a part of this new category. Um, each and every one up here, some I've got to meet before in this grain category. But um, reflecting on what we do, it goes back so far. One of the first men found in ice 
frozen was carrying an ancient grain. These grains bring us so much knowledge, protein, and things that are lost. Over the years, I've met families that have brought me seed knowingly or unknowingly where it came from, and we worked so hard to trace it back with so many people behind me on this stage and so many other people at university and schools to help us. Where did I get my start? I literally had a third-generation miller teach me how to make shine. In the South, it's a way of life. And from that shine that he never let me touch, he let me run the stones. He gave me the ideas, he gave me the thoughts behind what was going on as a young man, and I never understood that I was learning a process. Fast forward, after meeting the love of my life in college, and her dad was one of the largest commercial farmers in South Carolina. We saw the end of our farm. I represent so many farmers and so many family members in what we do, and we saw a way to continue the family farm. In the way of continuing the family farm, we were missing knowledge. The knowledge that my father-in-law was doing in 4-H was our hope to start again. Somebody would bring me a grain, a corn, a legume, and they would tell me how to plant it. And he would say, son, you're doing it wrong. I did my whole career to get away from the problems of low bushels and low rates, and you're asking me to start again. So I brought the ability to understand the knowledge of a mill and processing and coupled it with the rest of the family's knowledge. Where the story turned so dramatic for me to share with you all is, I live on the coast of South Carolina. I was born in Ohio and spent my whole life in the upstate of South Carolina. Upstate and low country are two different worlds. The first time I went to low country, we got to a bridge to meet my future mother-in-law and father-in-law, and my wife rolled down the window and said, do you smell that? And I said, oh my God, that's terrible. <laughs> it's home. That pluff mud is home. And where it's so tragic and what we're working through now is four years of hurricanes. I've watched 75% of my crops go away with the lowest bushel rates. And why do we continue to do this? Because I'm inspired by who's in this room. I'm inspired by the chefs we get to work with that are pushing me with knowledge and ideas of what the flavor profile and what we're after. I want to leave you with one thought. David Shields, a professor that has helped greatly in my life, look at the true stories behind these products, came to me and said, it's all about a pie. And I said, a pie? I'm a grain grower. And he said, son, you have the oldest rye known. We use the rye just to protect our commercial crops from wind damage. And he said, I want to show you something. And about six years ago, he showed me a recipe of the earliest known on our coastal region apple pie recipe. The crust was made with the rye that I am working on and have had on the market for a long time. It doesn't work for bread. It doesn't have the taste that chefs are after. But what is the purpose? Now, in a, in a way, a new look, I had the idea to do the research to actually figure out that there was an apple from my island called Edisto Island around 1860. We planted the apple trees about three, four years ago, and this story is the same as every other grain that I planted. 
in four or five years, we hope to maybe procure the first apple and to make one apple pie. But that apple pie might be the worst apple pie. <laughs> and that might be why that recipe is buried deep. <laughs> but, but until we taste it, and that is why each grain is looked at, and that is why we continue this journey. I thank you for your time. Thank, thank you so much, Greg. I mean, you, man, you are the epitome of, of savoring and saving. Um, what, he didn't, what he didn't tell you, he's got grains growing on his farm with seeds that date back over 400 years. I mean, it's, un, it's, it's, un, it's unreal that you keep it going. Thank you for doing the work that you do. Um, and I want to just congratulate all the grain and legume winners. You guys kick ass. And I, I am going to um, just re repeat myself a bit because clearly you all weren't paying attention uh, when I was speaking earlier. Please, please hold your, hold your applause in between uh, winter announcements till the end. We, need, we got a lot to get through. Cool? Yeah. Right on. Cool. All right. Now next uh, to present the Snack Awards, John Pruden of Taste in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Good evening. It's snack time. All right, and the winners are from California for their olive roasted almonds, Les Saison. For their Paleo Sunrise series, cranberry, almond butter, and pecan, Nana Joe's granola. You heard Sam. For their everything spice flatbread bites, Rustic Bakery. From Colorado, for their original salted pretzels, On Tap Kitchen. From, from the District of Columbia, for their oh amazing granola snack, Caribbean Delight, oh my organic food. From Florida, for their rosemary and sea salt gourmet fried lentils, the Lentil House Gourmet Snacks. From Illinois, for their Simply Nature white cheddar popcorn, Aldi. From Minnesota, for their Zesty Lemon Rosemary Roast Nut Mix, Isidore Nut Company. From New York, for their Savory Oat and Seed Clusters, Smoky Chipotle Flavor, Bird Food. For their Ginger, ginger Turmeric Scrollies, Immune Shine. From North Carolina, for their Red Pepper Firecracker and Sea Salt Flatbread Crackers, The Accidental Baker. And finally, from Vermont, for their cherry vanilla bean granola, small batch organics. Congratulations. Thank you so much, John. Um, and congratulations to all the snack winners. Um, next, I'm pleased to introduce Chris Ely of Goose the Market in Indianapolis, Indiana, which is landlocked, I think, as Patrick Martin said earlier, to present the Fish Awards. All right. Thank you for being here this evening. The winners are for the fish category. We have from California for their wild sockeye salmon, lemon pepper, Patagonia provisions. 
<clears throat> for their sturgeon pate and sweet and hot smoked sturgeon, Sar Nikolai Caviar. From New Mexico, for their whitefish jerky, one for Neptune. From New York, for their Blue Hill Bay Sockeye Salmon, Acne Smoked Salmon, Smoked Fish Corp. And from Washington, for their Wild Sockeye Salmon and Wild Pink Salmon Acura, Lumi Island Wild Co-op. And <clears throat> one more, one more. For their dill canned albacore, St. Jude tuna. Congratulations to the winners. Thank you. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. And congratulations to all the fish winners. Um, and now to present the pickle awards, Bo Vondra of Lux Marketplace in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And the winners are from California for their apple ginger sauerkraut, salt and savor. For their super green kraut, wise goat organics. From Hawaii, their pickled hoyo, Hawaiian fern and pickled ulu monkey pod jam. For their pineapple ginger turmeric sauerkraut, Napoli fresh local organic farm. From Illinois for their backyard relish and bread and butter cauliflower, Southport Grocery and Cafe. From Massachusetts for their organic beet kvass and organic nettle kraut, real pickles. From Minnesota for their zesty beets, Hobby Farmer Canning Company. From Oregon for their sauerkraut, Oregon Brine Works. From South Carolina for their pickled West Indian gherkin, The Cottage. For their watermelon rind kimchi and shiso, sweet potato and Asian sour leaf kimchi, The Juice Hive. From Washington for their local Cortito Blue Bus Cultured Foods. For their organic Eastern European sauerkraut and organic smoke and kale sauerkraut, Holy Kraut. And finally, to speak on behalf of pickle winners from Maine, Brianna Warner of Atlantic Sea Farms for her Sichi. Hi, I'm Bree Warner. I'm the CEO of Atlantic Sea Farms. My team and I are so unbelievably honored to be in this room and part of this movement. You are all changing the world for the better, and I'm so proud to be here with you. So my path to be here representing pickle winners was not straight line. I'm sure it wasn't for anyone, actually. <laughs> um, after several tours as a diplomat in the Foreign Service, I, <laughs> I moved to Maine, committed to helping preserve a way of life that could easily disappear. Let me explain. The Gulf of Maine is warming faster than 99% of oceans worldwide. And our coast is almost completely dependent on one fishery, lobster. Maine is the most rural state in the country, and it's also one of the poorest. While warming waters have created a boom for the lobster industry, other wild fisheries have completely disappeared. In most coastal communities in Maine, lobster is the only employer. But the water is continuing to warm and scientific models predict that the lobster population will eventually plummet because of climate change. This is terrifying for our coast, and for me as a Mainer, but there is hope. And lobster may, lobstermen make the best kelpers on the planet, if I have to say so myself. 
We have trained and worked with 24 fishermen in the coast of Maine to help diversify coastal incomes. We provide technical assistance, free seed from our one-of-a-kind, state-of-the-art kelp nursery, and we guarantee that we will buy every blade of kelp that they grow. Our farmers are helping to protect themselves, their families, and their communities as the economics of lobster shift. But that's not it. Line growing by line-growing kelp, we are also helping to improve the ocean. Kelp removes carbon and nitrogen from the water and helps to locally mitigate the effects of ocean acidification caused by greenhouse gases. An increasing problem that can devastate shell-bearing organisms, phytoplankton, which creates most of the oxygen that we breathe, and coral. But none of this matters if no one buys our products because they don't taste good. Um, but we created products that are craveable and delicious out of kelp. We are thrilled to have introduced, anything, introduced something totally new to the market. 98% of the seaweed that we eat in the United States is imported from Asia. It's often grown in compromised waters with high heavy metal content and made with questionable labor practices. And it's all dried. Our products are never dried and they're grown in the clean cold waters of Maine by independent fishermen. We are making exciting, traditionally fermented mixes and frozen products with this incredibly nutrient-dense food, and we are creating a new experience with seaweed. So we invite everyone to kelp yourself. <laughs> and every time you do, know that you're actually increasing our impact, that we can help people on our coast to adapt to climate change and also mitigate some of its effects. Let's eat for our health and kelp the earth while we do it. Thank you. I got on the wrong side of that line. I'm sorry, y'all. Um, thank you, Brianna, and congratulations to all the pickle winners. Um, and now to present the beer awards. Danielle Vogel of Glens Garden Market in Washington, D.C., one of my favorite markets in the country. All right, Michael, I think if uh, these were the beers you'd have tasted when you were a judge, you probably would have kept judging because they're pretty awesome. Um, all right, so the winners for beer are from California for their Apricot Super Sour Nova Almanac Beer Company. For their, yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, this one's a little bit tough to pronounce. You're going to have to beer with me. <laughs> Hopping right along. <laughs> All right. <laughs> for their Frambuzen beer, Cleophis Queely Beer Co Company. Yeah. For their Bootleggers Black Lager, Speakeasy Ales and Lagers. From Colorado, for their Cool Cucumber Wheat, Pagosa Brewing and Grill. From Maine, for their Cross Path, Allagash Brewing Company. From Missouri, for their Giant Steps Blend 2 Perennial Artisan Ales. From North Carolina, for their Farm's Edge Barrel-Aged Eva Full Steam Brewery. From Oregon, for their Golden Stone and Best Tart Wheat Ale Little Beast Brewing. From the great state of Texas, for their Stonewall Belgian Lambic Style Ale with Texas Peaches, Vista Brewing. From the Commonwealth of Virginia, for their Optimal Wit, my favorite beer in the whole wide world and Rivershed Ale, which is the coolest expression of all local sourcing, Port City Brewing Company. Yes! 
from Washington for their <laughs> Hazelicious IPA, Rubens Brews, and from Wisconsin for their beer line barley wine, Lakefront Brewing. Congratulations, guys. That's the, that's the cleanest cut crew of brewers I've ever seen. Um, thank you, Danielle. And congratulations to all the beer winners. And now to present the Cider Awards, Richard Toloff from Canyon Market right here in San Francisco. Another awesome market. For Cider from 10 different states from California for their Rosé Cider, Goat Rock Cider Company for their Macintosh Apple Wine Cider and Gravenstein Cider, Gowan's Heirloom Cider. For their Slough House Jalapeno Pear Cider, Hemley Cider. From Colorado, for their Harry Masters Jersey Big B's Hard Cider. For their New Hampshire Heritage Stem Ciders. From Georgia, for their Habanero Hayes Urban Tree Hard Cider from Massachusetts for their Light of the Sun Stormalong Cider. From Michigan for their Michigan Cherry and The Mitten Virtue Cider. From Oregon for their Pisgah Heritage Wildcraft Cider Works. And from Tennessee for their Puppet Master Whiskey Barrel Vaudevillian Gypsy Circus Cider Company. From Vermont for their Redfield Estate Series and Honeycrisp Champlain Orchards. From Virginia for their Harrison Albemarle Cider Works. And from Washington for their English Style 4 Liberty Cider Works. And for their Reserve Blend Madrone Cider. Thank you, Richard, and congratulations to all the cider winners. Next, yeah, right? I'm, next, I'm pleased to introduce Kelly LaCoy, from pantry, the Pantry Co-Chair and Communications Director of Real Food, Real Stories, to present the Pantry Awards. And the winners are from California for their Koji Fish Sauce, California Fish Sauce for their beet chutney, Mimi's Confitures, for their sweet black garlic miso mayo, so good food. From Colorado, for their Jojo Sriracha, OG Love Hard. From Kentucky, for their Imperial Double Fermented Soy Sauce and Bourbon Barrel Aged Sorghum, Bourbon Barrel Foods. For their Pappy Van Winkle Bourbon Barrel Aged Maple Syrup, Pappy and Company. From New York, for their rye barrel-aged maple syrup, Finding Home Farms. For their kimchi olive oil with almonds, Forward Roots. From Ohio, for their pepped-up mustard, Old Brooklyn Cheese Company. From Oregon, for their coffee cashew almond butter, Gem Organics. From Pennsylvania, for their chana masala, Sambar Kitchen. From South Carolina, for their black garlic, All Hail Caesar, The Cottage. From South Dakota, for their Diablo Verde, Dagger and Arrow. From Vermont, for their smoked maple sriracha, Sugar Bob's finest kind. From Washington, for their standard fermented hot sauce, Hosoko. And finally, to speak on behalf of the pantry winners from Colorado, 
Mario Esparza of the PB Love Company for his cinnamon almond butter. Hello. Uh, hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. <laughs> uh, to start off, happy 10th year anniversary to GFA and all their peeps. Um, well done. Thank you for... <laughs> Thank you for making this weekend possible for all of us. Uh, so tonight I've been asked to share a little bit of the story about how the PB Love Company was born from this idea of wellness. When I first started making wellness a part of my own lifestyle several years ago, uh, it really planted a lot of seeds in my mind and in my heart that have since then grown and have really impacted my um, personal and professional uh, journey, which has brought me here tonight, right here. I mean, I'm hanging out with Michael Pollan. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's cool. Um, so, <laughs> um, and what I would really like for this short story to be is a reminder to not only myself, but to everybody here, especially the winners, um, that when wellness is a part of your lifestyle, that it can really impact your individual performance. So I'm just gonna share. So I'm 19 years old. I had just left my hometown born and raised in Amarillo, Texas, uh, to move to the city of Dallas. I had made this uh, major decision to make a big lifestyle change, and 15 months later, I had lost 100 pounds, almost 100 pounds. It was 94 pounds to be exact. And, you know, I started exercising, and I started changing the way I thought uh, with a more clear and open mind, and, of course, I started changing what I ate. Um, so I'm on this journey, I'm 21 years old, and for the first time in my life, I start learning about real food. Didn't really know what it was. And I'm talking about that fresh, clean, that beautiful, the tastiest, nutrient-dense real food. Didn't really know about it. And by the way, this is when I first started learning how to make my own nut butters at home. And as I'm going through this whole journey, I'm learning about food, and I remember wondering where all this food comes from. How does it get to me, you know? And what happens to my waste associated with all of this food that I buy? Uh, I wanted to learn more about this whole food system, you know, how it began, how did it all work, and who was involved. Uh, and this led me into my own independent uh, research and studying of environmental health and sustainability. And what I started answering these questions, you know, where does my food come from? What happens to my waste? And what I learned, what I found out, blew my mind. To be quite honest with you, uh, most of it broke my heart. And I remember thinking, you know, I got to get involved, right? So I'm still going on this journey. Now I'm 22. I start my first business in uh, Dallas, Texas, natural weight loss company. Makes sense, right? Uh, I start meeting all these business owners, um, all these entrepreneurs from all kinds of background and all kinds of industries. Uh, by the way, they're all of my clients. And, sorry. <laughs> um, they, I, I start learning more about business. I uh, begin to observe um, that all these entrepreneurs and all these business owners have all these similar commonalities. And within this circle of entrepreneurs, there's this smaller group and of entrepreneurs and individuals themselves. Uh, and it was very apparent to me that they 
were very different. They performed differently. They all performed at a higher level. You know, their, uh, their, their companies, their, their people were happy. Their, they looked really good, and their operations were efficient. They, you know, had great ideas. And their customers really seemed to connect with their product or services when they purchased them. You know, it was, it was very different. Um, and with that small group, I realized that they all had something in common. And what these people did, these entrepreneurs, these individuals, they made wellness a part of their lifestyle. They exercised. They uh, changed the way they thought. They had a more open and clearer mind. They ate real food most of the time. Um, and it was clear to me that they gave themselves this ability to perform at a higher level. And which in turn uh, really reflected on their companies and their companies' performances, you know. And so as I'm here in front of everybody, this is a reminder to myself and a reminder to everybody here, particularly you winners, to make wellness a part of your lifestyle. When you make wellness a part of your lifestyle, it can greatly impact your performance and When you do that, uh, sorry, <laughs> um, you can really, we can help each other to make more real food, feed more people, and really make more people happy because that's what we do. So thank you so much. I'll see you at the party. Good night. God, you know, you know, one of the things that I love about this event more than anything else is all the personal stories. You know, and and, and, and Mar Mario, you, 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 you've done good, man. Oh, and you, thank you. <laughs> and and you look good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you it's fucking, it's fucking awesome. Um, all right, uh, I forgot to congratulate all the pantry winners. You guys, really well done. Uh, ne next, I'm very pleased to introduce CC Dancer of Good Earth Natural Foods in Mill Valley, California, to present the 2020 Spirits winners. And Fairfax, California, too. Obviously, I'm the Fairfax side. All right, are we in high spirits tonight or what? That's right, so. And the winners are from California for their three sheets cask strength rum, Cutwater Spirits. For their raspberry liqueur and aperitivo aplomado, Falcon Spirits Distillery. For their slow gin, Spirit Works Distillery. <laughs> from Colorado for their Leopold Summer Gin, Leopold Brothers. From Illinois, for their saffron liqueur, Apolog Spirited Liqueurs. For their original label gin, Leatherbee Distillers. From North Carolina, for their organic Carolina straight wheat whiskey, Top of the Hill Distillery. 
from Oregon for their Versatova Spruce Tip Vodka and Cold Tree Gin, Jazz Spirits. From South Carolina for their Vicario Amore Mio Apertivo, Salute. From Texas for their Ghost Hill Bourbon, Treaty Oak, sorry, Treaty Oak Distilling. From Vermont for their Vodka Silo Distillery. And for their Heritage Cask Whiskey, Stonecutter Spirits. Let's give a spirited appreciation to our spirit winners. Thank you, Cece, and congratulations to all the Spirits winners, woo! And what better to put with Spirits but Elixirs? And, and that's the next award, and Steven Rosenberg of Liberty Heights Fresh in Salt Lake City, Utah will be presenting that award. And the winners are from California for their strawberry and pink peppercorn shrub, Little Apple Treats, for their Gravenstein Apple Syrup Preserve Farm Kitchens, from Hawaii for their Gut Shots, Napoli Fresh Local Organic Farm, from Illinois for their Vitalife Organic Ginger Awakening Kombucha, Aldi, from Louisiana for their Bayou Berry Kombucha, Big Easy Bucha. From New York for their K Bloody Mary Mix, KMN Enterprises. For their cocktail mixer, Wicked Margarita, Owl's Brew. For their cardamom extract, Woodward Extract Company. From Oregon for their passion chocolate elixir, Mountain Rose Herbs. From Virginia for their ginger lime shrub, Element Shrub for their golden turmeric syrup, J.T. Cooper, from Washington for their strawberry peppercorn shrub, Reverend Al's Bonafide Potence, for their ginger and Hawaiian chili shrub, Shrub Farm, and from Wisconsin for their tart cherry grenadine and tiki pineapple simple syrup, Quince and Apple, Sip and Trip. Thank you, Stephen, and congratulations to all the Elixir winners. Next, please welcome Coral Frischkorn of Cured in Boulder, Colorado, who's going to present the Preserves Awards. And the winners are from California for a Crockwork Orange Jamnation. For their cacao fruit jam, the chocolate bar. From Colorado, for their aprium jam, saba jam. From Hawaii, <laughs> for their Hawaiian mango habanero preserve, Aka Falls Farm. From Michigan, for their teacher's pet organic apple butter, Gus and Gray. From Montana, for their sour plum and sage, Roots Kitchen and Cannery. 
From New York for their Red Raspberry Jam and Strawberry Jam Blossom Meadow Farms. From North Carolina for their Belgian Chocolate Strawberry Jam Mrs. Ruth's Jams. From Oregon for their Raspberry Cardamom Rose Hip Alchemist's Jam. For their Aronia Hassap Fruit Spread, Hascap Fruit Spread Mount Hope Farms. From Vermont for their Raspberry Red Currant Geranium Honey Jam Berry Bee Smiley Preserves. And finally, to speak on behalf of the Preserves winners from North Carolina, Emily Boynton of Fiddlehead Farms for her strawberry and honeysuckle jelly. Good evening, everybody. It's so great to be here. Um, my name is Emily Boynton, and with my husband, David, we own Fiddlehead Farm. I just want to say how grateful we are to be representing the preserves category. It's an amazing community, community of people that we have such admiration for. I'm also very grateful for my husband, David, who's sitting out there with my two boys, Daniel and Willie. Um, he is the best partner in crime. He always supports all my crazy ideas. He never says no. He grows all our awesome peppers, and he is a mastermind behind all of our hot sauces and pepper jellies. So I love you, David. Um, so as I stand here tonight, I have to say I never thought I would be a farmer, and most definitely not a jam maker. Um, in fact, when I quit my corporate job 17 years ago and moved with my new husband, David, from Detroit, Michigan to Durham, North Carolina, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, instead of doing the normal thing, which would be to find a job, uh, I volunteered at an amazing little nonprofit garden school in Durham, North Carolina called Seeds. Um, I did eventually end up with a job there, but I also found an amazing and uplifting community and it was a community that taught me so much about farming, about sustainable agriculture, and most importantly, about myself. Um, they helped me find the answer to what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And ironically, too, um, it was in that community that I had to have the opportunity to have dinner with Alice Waters once and to hear Michael Pollan speak. So tonight, I kind of feel like I've come full circle. Um, Several years after working at Seeds, um, we had our first child and purchased our own small farm. We tentatively started growing and selling at market where we once again found an amazing community of fellow farmers, makers, and customers that helped us learn and grow. Um, that community is the reason why we started making jam. They consistently and lovingly provide help and guidance when we need it, as well as inspiration and fresh ideas. And most importantly, they provide the delicious and thoughtfully grown um, fruit for our jams. And I think pretty much anyone that makes jam knows that it's really the fruit that's the important part, not, not so much what we do to it. Um, they are also the wonderful people I credit with helping us grow our small business into what we are today. Um, tonight in the audience, I see several members of our little community represented, and that makes my heart very happy. Um, one of the things I love most about the Good Food Awards is that they bring a bunch of these amazing little communities together in run, one room, and for that I'm very thankful. So thanks to you all for being such an amazing community, and congratulations all you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much, Emily. And congratulations to all the Preserves winners. Next I'm, next, I'm pleased to introduce another legend, Peg Smith of Cowgirl Creamery in Point Ray Station, to present the Honey Awards.
site. From California for their wildflower urbana to bees young apiaries. For their pozo wildflower honey, true gold honey. From Colorado for their whiskey barrel aged honey, bees squared apiaries. Apiaries, sorry. From Georgia for their sourwood comb honey, mountain honey. From Guam for their tropical raw honey, island honey bee. From Hawaii for their Kahalo, Kahalu gold 21 degrees estates cacao. For their wild, oh gosh, Kiavi honey, a caca farm's farm. From Maine for their atuminal wildflower honey, postal bellow. From Massachusetts for their wildflower honey, Beverly bees. From New York, for their black locust and blackberry honey, bees needs. From Oregon, for their Savi Island honey, Jacobson County. From Tennessee, for their South Hall Farms wildflower honey, Williams Honey Farm. And from Washington, for their snowberry rose and Dungeness Field spurn honey, Sequim Bee Farms. Congratulations. Thank you, Peggy, and congratulations to all the honey winners. Next, I'm pleased to introduce Patrick Mills of, of the Byright Family of Businesses right here in San Francisco, who's my 6 a.m. fit uh, wellness buddy. <laughs> um, and he's going to present the 2020 Confections Awards. And the winners for the confection category are from California for their orange walnut toffee farm chocolate, for their Eureka lemon bonbon ginger Elizabeth chocolates, for the black sesame seed toffee brito neo coco, from Florida for their orange cardamom spice bar sapore della vita. From Maine, for their Maine sea salt caramel sauce, Dean's Sweets. From Missouri, for their brown butter bar, Patrick Chocolate. From New York, for their dark chocolate, hazelnut buttercups, Eat Chic Chocolates. For their hazelnut praline crunch, Gotham Chocolates. From North Carolina, for their limoncello and caramel macchiato, Farrowinds Artisan Chocolates. For their cinnamon cashew caramel, French broad chocolates. For their orange basil ganache, Videri Chocolate Factory. From Oregon, for their hazelnut coffee crunch, Batch PDX. For their rosemary pecan brittle bites, how sweet it is. For cinnamon maca almond butter, Gem Organics. From Vermont, for their cinnamon goat's milk caramel, Fat Toad Farm. For their organic coffee-infused Vermont maple cream, Mount Mansfield maple products. For their pumpkin, pumpkin seed chipotle toffee, Vermont Amber Candy Company. From Wisconsin, for their passion fruit caramel, Madison Chocolate Company. And finally, for their raspberry pate de fruit, the Modern Candy Company. Please help me congratulate the winners.
Thank you, Patrick. And congratulations to all the Confections winners, and thanks for making our lives so sweet. And now, Pamela Schrader of Palace Market in Point Reyes Station, California, who's going to present the Chocolate Awards. As soon as we get all the confection people off the stage. <laughs> Hello, good evening. I am so excited. I love chocolate. No, I really love chocolate. And the winners are from Arizona for their coconut milk latte 55% stone grinds chocolate. From California for their 58% brown buttermilk white label chocolate. From Colorado for their 70% whiskey and nibs cultura chocolate. From Florida for their tumaco Columbia dark milk 60% Castronovo chocolate. For their Matilda Kulaba Chocolate Company. From Hawaii for their Hawaiian milk chocolate, Wailua Estate chocolate. From Massachusetts for their white lemon thyme bar, Chekaset chocolate. For their special reserve with Las Palomas coffee, Goodnow Farms chocolate. From Missouri for their chocolate and red raspberry, Collaboration Bar, Askinosi Chocolate. For their 67% Pura Peru and 67% Madagascar, Patrick Chocolate. From New York, for their Spring Salted Dark Milk 56% Fruition Chocolate Works. From North Carolina, for their 70% Single Origin Trincheras, Venezuela, Escazú Chocolate. From Oregon, for their caramelized milk chocolate, Creo chocolate. And last but not least, from Washington, for their Pisa, Haiti, and the Bitter Nag, Bakery Nouveau. Congratulations, everyone. Congratulations to all the chocolate winners, and thank you, Pamela. Next, I'm pleased to introduce another hero of mine, Patrick Martins, founder of Heritage Foods, to present the Charcuterie Awards. Heritage Foods has been a stalwart supporter of small farmers and ranchers. And three of the Charcuterie winners actually use the pork that pa Patrick provides. Patrick's also another saver and save kind of guy, and their tagline is, eat them to save them. And if you haven't gotten on to Heritage Radio Network, by far some of the best food policy, food activism podcasts in the country. Patrick, please take it away. Wow. What an honor. And the winners are from California for their Salame Toscano, Framani Handcrafted Foods, for their Salame di Bue and Salame Sicilia, Incontro Cured, from Georgia for their Sweetheart Ham, Pine Street Market, from Indiana for their Wayfed Dodge City Salami and Duck Prosciutto, Smoking Goose Meadery, from New York for their Lamb Prosciutto, Brooklyn Cured, for their Casella's Prosciutto, Prosciutto Speciale, Casella's Salumi. From Oregon, for their Dosette de Oregon and Chorizo Rioja, Olympia Provisions. From Tennessee, for their Sobrasata, the Great Blackberry Farm. 
from Utah for their pâté forestier, Beltex Meats. Found in 1926, from Virginia, for their Edwards, Virginia Smokehouse, Suriano Ham, S. Wallace Edwards and Sons. From West Virginia, for their Ballerone Polsky, Farmer's Daughter. From Wisconsin, for their Calabrian, ooh, three-way salami, Underground Meats. And finally, to speak on behalf of this year's charcuterie winners, from Missouri, founded in 1898, Lorenzo Passetti of Volpi Salami for her heritage prosciutto. Thank you. On behalf of all the charcuterie winners this evening, I'd like to thank the Good Food Foundation for this honor. I know that everyone on this stage shares the passion required to produce these long-aged, yet simple products. Whether they be a dry-cured salami, whole muscle meat, or even an 18-month aged prosciutto made from a heritage breed. We all believe in the pursuit of perfection, as well as the art, science, art and science that go into making these products. Many of us, myself included, were taught by previous generations who labored through years of trial and error to find just the right method. Volpe Foods began as a storefront in St. Louis, Missouri. My great uncle, Giovanni Volpe, joined a bustling Italian immigrant population in 1900, and that community is known as the Hill. Unlike others of its kind and generation, the Hill continues to thrive today. It's punctuated by bakeries, restaurants, and specialty food stores. Our storefront still operates in that area. The Midwest is often referred to as the flyover country by my friends and acquaintances on either coast. But the Midwest is where we raise these beautiful animals. So you might want to come and visit. Volpi came from Milan. My father, Armando, came from Mantova. He joined his uncle at the tender age of 14. And for decades, they labored over salami, copa, pancetta, and prosciutto, when few Americans even knew what prosciutto was, much less could pronounce it. Today, Americans know what it is, and we are still learning how to appreciate its versatility and flavor. When I think of our charcuterie category, there is no better example of food culture. Through traditions of the past and gatherings of family and friends, with a modern approach to innovative products, Volpe's legacy remains alive. My hope is that our next generation will take the Volpe torch and continue the journey. On behalf of all of our fellow winners, thank you again for the honor. Thank you so much, Lorenza. And congratulations to all the charcuterie winners. Next, I'm pleased to introduce Andrea Lazio of Antonelli's Cheese Shop in Austin, Texas, is going to present one of my favorite categories, the 2020 Cheese 
And the winners are from Alabama for their Rinsky Farmstead Cheese, Working Cows Dairy. From California for their Crotin, Laura Chanel. For their Reserve Boont Corner, Penny Royal Farm. For their Toma, Point Reyes Farmstead. For their Bella Capra Raw Milk Monterey Jacques, Sierra Nevada Cheese Company. From Georgia, for their Thomasville Tome and Asher Blue, Sweetgrass Dairy. From Indiana, for their Sophia, Capriole. From Massachusetts, for their Proof Rock, The Gray Barn and Farm. From Michigan, for their Mont Idol, Idol Farms. From Missouri, for their Fresh Plain, Green Dirt Farm. From New Jersey, for their Havala, Cherry Grove Farm. From New York, for their Kunick, Nettle Meadow Farm. From Ohio, for their Irvi Cheese, My Artisano Cheeses. From Oregon, for their Maya, Briar Rose Creamery. From Tennessee, for their Brebby and Hawkins Hayes, Blackberry Farm. And from Washington, for their Sleeping Beauty, Cascadia Creamery, and for their Boonville, Daniel's Artisan. Thank you. Congratulations to all the cheese winners, and thank you, Andrea. Next, I'm very pleased to introduce Todd Jensen of Harmon's Grocery in West Valley City, Utah, to present the 2020 coffee winners. Okay, everybody bear with me here as I get these pronunciations. And the winners are from California for their Ethiopia Betatu Habico Compelling Coffee. For their Panama Hacienda La Esmeralda Geisha Equator Coffees. For their Colombia Finca La Maria Geisha Natural Clatch Coffee. For their Guatemala El Enerto Reserve Linnea. For their La Prada Mocha Steady State Roasting. From Colorado for their Mario Alarcon Sweet Bloom Coffee Roasters. From Georgia for their Luis Ordonez and Thousand Faces Coffee. From Maine for their Ethiopia Habico Speckled Axewood Roasted Coffee. From Massachusetts for their Gara Barrington Coffee Roasting Company. For their Ethiopian Shakiso Kayon Mountain Organic Beanstalk Coffee Roasters. From Minnesota for their Juan Domingo Guatemala Spy House Coffee Roasting Co. From New Jersey for their Teru Mill Ethiopia Penstock Coffee. From Ohio for their Cosa Kebania Crimson Cup Coffee and Tea. From Oregon for their Ethiopia Dimtu Case Coffee Roasters. For their Ethiopia Shantuani Village anaerobic process, Loma Coffee. For their Ethiopia, Sidemia, Shanatui anaerobic process, push by pole. From Pennsylvania, for their Ethiopia, Bossa, Backyard Beans Coffee Co. For their Ethiopia, Arty Organic, Washed, Vibrant Coffee. From South Dakota, for their Ethiopia, Dim Tu Taro, Kafia, Roasteria. 
from Tennessee for their Kimbu Murray Bon Life Coffee Roasters. From Texas for their Carmen Geisha Oak Cliff Coffee Roasters. From Virginia for their Morris Negras Mi Finquita Coffee Farm Mudhouse Coffee Roasters. For their Ethiopia Nasibu Worka Red Roasters Coffee Roaster. From Washington for their Guatemala Juan Avalateo Cafe Lodro. From Wisconsin for their Jansen Geisha Lot Number 109 JBC Coffee Roasters. For their Kenyan Mebaku Kickapoo Coffee. And from Wyoming for their Kenya Chwele H&S Coffee Roasters. Here for the winners. Todd's the new guy in our uh, in our collaborative, so he got he got coffee so we could haze him. <laughs> Kai, you did an unbelievable job, man. Nice. Um, congratulations to all the coffee winners. So we're almost there. Can you believe it? No more products. Can, can we give one more round of applause to all the winners? All right, so before, before uh, I get the privilege of introducing our final speaker, uh, and you guys get to go off and have some delicious food, drink, and... Um, uh, merriment at Airbnb. I have a few public service announcements that I need to make, and I promise I'll make them as brief as I possibly can. But a lot of these, you got to please pay attention because you won't be able to get in unless you listen to some of this. We've grown far too big for one venue, so the after party will be held at Airbnb's beautiful headquarters. It's not too far away. It's about a mile and a half. Um, share. Take lifts together. Take Ubers. Um, the address is 888 Brannon. We would like to enlist your help in respecting the end time of the party at 10 p.m. Um, because Airbnb has, very, has been very, very hospitable in let us, letting us use their space. As you can imagine, security at Airbnb is no joke. So when you arrive, you will need to show your ID. Check and make sure you've got your ID because you will not be able to get in without your ID. I'm serious. Um, it will make a huge difference um, if everyone's got their IDs ready to get all 800 of us in. Um, the party will go on without you if you don't make it, so I'm sorry. <laughs> in an effort to cut down on waste, please hold on to the beautiful compostable plate from Verterra that you pick up as you enter the party. Um, reuse. And if you're still hungry for good food after the party tonight, you're in luck because we have the Good Food Mercantile tomorrow from 12 to 5 at City View at Metreon for retailers and media. And the Public Good Food Awards Mercantile uh, Marketplace, I'm sorry, will take place at Fort Mason Center on Sunday from 9 to 2. And that will give you a chance to meet, taste, and buy from at least 60 of the winners. So this is my fifth year in a row get being up here. It's kind of crazy. I can't believe how fast time's gone by. Um, and it's the fifth time that I get to introduce our next speaker, who really needs no introduction at all. She's the reason we're all here. She's the real reason that there's so much love packed into this room. 
It doesn't feel like that long ago that a small group of us gathered at Medlock Ames Winery in Alexander Valley to dis discuss how we can keep pushing the food movement forward after the momentum gained at Slow Food Nation. It was an amazing and mighty small group that collaborated so well to lay out a positive vision of the future. And I dug through some old files and I found, I found an old vision, a, a nine-year-old vision. I just want to read a passage from it. We envision an America where every town and city has a bevy of food artisans and chefs connected to local farmers who are responsibly growing crops that are uniquely suited to their climate. In every corner of America, visitors would find vibrant farmer's markets, grocers that keep their local farmers and producers in business, regional specialties made with local fish, fruit, grains, vegetables, and meat, and a community that demands and pays fairly for food that is grown without synthetic inputs by people who take pride in feeding their community and providing good jobs to their employees. Local people everywhere would take pride in the delicious food traditions and in knowing that that food is grown and produced by local businesses that are also stewards of the environment. We wrote that nine years ago, and it's happened. And that realization, the realization of that vision is more beautiful than I ever imagined it could be. And that's due to the incredible leadership, tenacity, and passion from our founder, Sarah Wiener. Please welcome Sarah. Thanks, Michelle. <laughs> Reaching the ripe old age of 10, has a way of making one reflect on the passage of time. My niece and nephew, both about the same age as the Good Food Awards, that dapper pair up there on the balcony, <laughs> often remind me of the most wonderful thing about being young, an endless capacity for joy. A few months ago, heading up the steps of my sister's house with leftovers from the blind tasting, I heard my nephew prancing down to greet me. When he saw the bounty in my arms, his eyes grew large as saucers, his hands curled into small fists by his side, and he began to literally shake with excitement. <laughs> Diving into a hunk of blue cheese, he exploded into an extended monologue on its merits. In the charming way that children have of conjuring up authority out of thin air, he asserted, oh my gosh, this is so good. You can taste the crunchy bits, and it's like so creamy. Was this a winner? Auntie Sarah, this must have been a winner. <laughs> All morning, I had observed the world's leading experts taste that cheese and 2,000 other snacks, spirits, and more. Seeing how delighted they were, hearing their measured praises, I felt proud of what our nation's makers had accomplished, certain that the world-class artists and crafters who are here today would fill this theater. But witnessing a child enraptured in a sliver of cheese, I realized anew the profound contribution you make to society. You bring joy into the world. You light up our lives. Watching this scene play out did come with a tinge of melancholy. Do we lose the ability to, so in, to delight so entirely in a new taste as we grow into adults? I wondered. But as I pondered this, I received an email from my mother with the subject line, amazing yogurt, exclamation <laughs> point. 
The entire message was dedicated to her latest discovery, an Amish yogurt from Ohio, and all my fears were allayed. <laughs> As you can probably tell, my family really likes food. <laughs> but we are hardly alone. What you distill, roast, preserve, ferment, and brew spreads happiness to young and old alike. While I imagine that everyone in this room appreciates the intrinsic value of happiness, at this historic moment in time, facing unprecedented climactic and geopolitical changes, some might question whether the pursuit of happiness is an extravagance best reserved for quieter times. Lest there be any doubt that it is in fact a worthy endeavor, especially in times like these, allow me to make the case for joy. There is a growing body of research indicating happiness is a key component of both creativity and productivity. With creativity comes art, literature, scientific discovery, and culture. With productivity, manufacturing, commerce, governance. Which is to say, happiness is exactly what we need to confront complex global challenges. Indeed, it is no less than a driver for the advancement of civilization itself. But how much does happiness truly augment productivity and creativity? In a 2006 study, researchers found that a group of medical doctors made the correct diagnosis twice as fast and showed two and a half times the creativity when primed to be happy before reviewing the symptoms. Even more telling, the way the researchers elevated the mood of the happy group was by gifting them a small piece of candy. <laughs> Imagine the medical advances that would be possible if doctor's offices were stocked with the treats of our confection winners, from passion fruit caramels to Eureka lemon bonbons. Bringing a daily dose of happiness to everyone who encounters your food and drink, that would be enough, more than enough to feel proud of in one's lifetime. But it is merely the tip of the iceberg, the legacy of the tasty in your tasty, authentic, and responsible food. The way you go about making your divine pickles, your sublime ciders, creates a whole other layer of impact. All of you make some very unusual business decisions. <laughs> choices that reveal a nuanced understanding of the power a company can have, a much deeper power than simply accumulating wealth. Each of you say, no thank you, to squeezing every penny out of workers and suppliers, valuable partners you prefer to share in your success. No thank you to turning a blind eye to the mistreatment of animals, land, and sea. No thank you to a race to the bottom pricing that has made food so cheap, its perceived value so very low, that our society wastes a full third of what we produce, more than any other country in the world. No thank you to the pervasive grow as big as you can, as fast as you can mentality, a mindset that the American writer and environmentalist Edward Abbey noted is identical to the ideology of the cancer cell. You say yes to paying a premium to farmers and ranchers caring for the land. Yes to freely sharing advice and collaborating with one another. Yes to re-educating consumers about the value of good food. 
and it's working. In 2018, the organic sector grew at three times the rate of the overall food sector in the USA. <laughs> you put your businesses on the high road, fully aware that it is the harder road. It is easy to forget just how unusual that is to overlook what a mind-altering revelation that simply encountering someone aligning their business values with their moral values can be. I moved to Portland a year ago, seeking a slower pace of life. For the first time since childhood, I found myself with a big backyard. It seemed like the perfect time to plant a garden. I had, of course, heard about gardening, read about gardening, conceptually understood and loved the idea Yet despite all this secondhand information, I couldn't actually imagine I could make food grow. Sure, I knew how to taste food, how to cook it, and I'm really good at eating it, <laughs> but growing it was totally foreign to me. I was convinced there was some special expertise I lacked, the right way to amend the soil, the correct technique for wielding a shovel, a thorough slash any understanding of garden pests. <laughs> I was certain that without special knowledge and skills I did not possess, anything I planted would fail. For months, I vacillated between obsessive online research, conversations with pricey landscape architects, and plain old procrastination. At some point, I gave up entirely, unable to imagine I could make it happen. Then one day, I got to talking with my neighbors, also recent transplants with an interest in gardening. I visited their lush backyard filled with red rhubarb, majestic fig trees, blueberry bushes. Suddenly, there was nothing to imagine. I saw how someone like me could do it. My neighbors helped me dig the first hole, and this past summer, I feasted on artichokes and cherry tomatoes, jester squash and alpine strawberries, leeks and kale and rainbow chard. I haven't felt so healthy and alive since I was a child. Every time I step into my garden, I am filled with wonder and with gratitude to those neighbors, normal people who had no idea that just going about their life would change mine. Nothing can open one's mind to the possibilities so effortlessly and effectively as a real life living and breathing example. Each of you is a living example of something that is impossible to imagine for so many people. Leaving a corporate job to be part of a rural community, transforming one's life through a curiosity for real food, reinvigorating a coastal economy with a delicious new idea. These and another 215 stories in this room make the impossible feel possible. You show us it can be done. Open our minds. Help us grow our gardens. Infuse the world with joy. That is your legacy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you.
Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.